All Elite Wrestling, Dynamite, Road Rager, Tony Khan continues to do it. This show is officially a review slash burial for the World Wrestling Entertainment. I've got to be honest. I got to be honest with myself, and I got to be honest with you wrestling fans. First and foremost, welcome to Within the Ropes. Um, this is the AEW Dynamite Road Rager uh, review, and we're going to review the show, but I want to talk first about what we saw tonight, because I know all of you watched, as did I. Um, we got a few things. First, we got, just to get it out of the way, the uh, in-ring debut of Andrade, Andrade El Idolo. Did I say that right? Andrade El Idolo in-ring debut. But let's get on to better news, okay? Malachi Black, a.k.a. Tommy End, FKA, Alistair Black, made his all-elite wrestling debut on tonight's episode of Dynamite Road Rager in Miami, Florida. And boy, oh boy, was it one of the, in my opinion, the best secrets, um, the best bombshell, one of the best debuts that I've ever seen. And they, and they planted it from the beginning, from, from the opening match, they planted this. Um, as you know, the very first match of the night was Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall in a South Beach strap. Oh, good old South Beach strap match. Um, and during that match, the lights went out and I'm like, eh, technical difficulties. And it sure as hell seemed like that. And Jim Ross, Shivani and Excalibur did a wonderful job selling it as if it was just some technical difficulties, right? Everyone in the crowd probably figured the same exact thing. And I give kudos, kudos to Cody Rhodes and, and everybody else that was involved in that match. Everyone, the referee, everybody who was involved, I give them credit because they sold that shit like fucking uh, water in a fucking 113 degree weather. They sold it. It was perfect. They got me. I was like, ah, this is technical difficulties. So then when it later happened later on, um, when Arn Anderson was out there getting interviewed with, uh, uh, with Tony Schiavone, and, and I, I thought it was a little weird. I didn't think what happened was going to happen, but I thought it was a little weird. Why is Arn Anderson getting interviewed? I, I don't know. It, it, it just seemed strange, but I didn't, you know, I didn't think too. You look, they didn't give us too much time to think about it, honestly. Arn Anderson had the mic. He said it was great to to have all the fans back. Um, and he went on to, you know, I guess getting ready to say what he was going to say, and the lights went off again. And I'm like, oh boy, this ain't good, <laughs> right? This ain't fucking good. And then the lights cut back on, and oh, my God. Tommy in Alistair Black, now known in AEW as Malachi Black, in just flawless fashion, just disgusting. Just per- It was disgusting. It was perfect. I enjoyed every bit of it. He hits Arn Anderson with a black mass. And then Cody comes out of nowhere. I don't know where Cody came from. He comes out of nowhere. They're staring each other down. And then he hits Cody with a black mass. And the crowd's going wild chanting, uh, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Jim Ross didn't know what his name was. He's like, Tommy in. 
Excalibur's like, that's not Tommy in. Doesn't matter. Tommy in, Aleister Black, Malachi Black, it doesn't matter. This is a big, um, this is a big deal. Um, and I think WWE should be ashamed of themselves. And here's why. You mean to tell me that Lucha House Party is more valuable than Malachi Black, Aleister Black? I'm going to call him Aleister Black for uh, this period while I talk about this. You mean to tell me that Lucha House Party, Lince Dorado, Akira, Akira Tozawa, you mean to tell me Akira Tozawa is more valuable and a better wrestler? Than Aleister Black. You mean to tell me. That Drew Gulak. And Drew Gulak's a hell of a wrestler. He's damn good. But he ain't better. Than Aleister Black. Tommy N. Malachi Black. He ain't better than him. You mean to tell me. That our truth. Our truth. That don't get me wrong. Truth's, truth's my guy. Shout out to our truth But when you're going through all these releases, you, you don't think to get rid of the people who you don't need to use. Get rid of the, the, the older guys and girls and keep the youth. Keep the future stars. Keep the people that worked their asses off for three, four, five plus years and, and, and more. You mean to tell me that you get rid of those guys and girls that have worked day in and day out, night in and night out, um, but you keep the Lucha House Party? It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Why? Why? Andrade's match tonight, his debut... Uh, against Matt Seidel, I don't fucking know, man. Seidel, Seidel, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Evan Bourne, Andrade's in-ring debut tonight wasn't much. It didn't make me go, yeah, nothing to, ain't nothing. But just to know that Tony Khan has Andrade, Malachi Black, uh, you know, just, and I, I, I just know, I know there's more to come. And look, I've been one to get on here, whether it was here, whether it was my, my old podcast, whether anywhere, I have gotten on record and said that I think it's stupid and I think it's a, the, one of the worst ideas for AEW to bring in old WWE stars. Stars. Stars, though. Not young talent. Not talent that were there for four years and literally did absolutely nothing. Not those people. I've had a change of heart. It sucks. It sucks for WWE. Um, it surely does look like all elite wrestling is the wrestling company and WWE is the entertainment company. If there was not in a, 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 any time ever where you could clearly see the two differences, you see it, <clears throat> excuse me, you see it with the debut of Malachi Black um, tonight. Attacking Arn Anderson and Cody Rhodes. And the electricity, the genuine reaction, the the reaction that the fans gave was so genuine. It's it's something that you look for and that you just love about wrestling. I know for me personally, it's something that I love. I love a genuine reaction. I love when something happens in wrestling and I'm genuinely like almost in tears of joy like just so happy i get goosebumps that's what happened with malachi black 
Tommy in, Alistair Black making his AEW debut. Um, this guy didn't waste no time. He wasted zero time. He went on Twitch for a couple of weeks, did oral sessions with Renee, um, played a couple of video games, and now he's back to work. He said, nah, uh-uh. Uh-uh. He said, you're not about to play with me. And I respect that. I don't know what Vince McMahon's thinking. I don't know what the WWE are thinking. There's more. I mean, I only named a few. Humberto? Humbert, is Humberto really worth keeping? Humberto. Humberto. Is he really worth keeping over Aleister Black? Tell me. I mean, you can honestly get rid of some of these UK uh, UK and NXT. You can really get rid of some of them. I would sacrifice a chunk, if not all, of the NXT UK roster to keep Aleister Black. I would. If it's about money, if it's about budget cuts or anything like that, if, which I know it's a bunch of bullshit, but if it is truly about that, if it's a financial thing, I would sacrifice the entire NXT UK roster. You mean to tell me, and I'm going to go here. I, I usually wouldn't go here, but I'm going to go here. You mean to tell me Eva Marie is more valuable and a better wrestler than Aleister Black? Are you kidding me? Eva Marie's better than Aleister Black. That's what Vince Mc, That's the message that Vince McMahon is sending. You know, and I used to think that this was just a boss move, that Vince McMahon was just making boss moves, that billionaire moves like, yo, it is what it is. You know, you used to think... If Vince McMahon doesn't see any value in you, um, then maybe, 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 maybe. I don't know, man. It sucks. It sucks. I love WWE. I look, but guess what, man? I love wrestling better. I love wrestling more. And, you know. You gotta, you gotta call it for what it is. It's just pure laziness, stupid, unfortunate, shame on WWE for thinking that everybody else. Obviously, that's how they feel, and if it's not how they feel, I mean, then what are the reason? Why are all these other people who absolutely make no fucking sense still on this roster? You really had Lucha House Party go out there and beat Mace and T-Bar. But you didn't have room for Aleister Black? On your three-hour television show on Monday, you don't have room. You don't have the creative... Uh, or a direction or nothing for Aleister Black. Nothing at all. And when you did, you got everybody excited for it. He comes out. He attacks Biggie. We get excited for future Biggie-Aleister Black rivalry. And then you release him just days later. It just makes no sense. I feel so sorry for World Wrestling Entertainment. If they continue to do this, if they continue to not give us pro wrestling on Mondays and Fridays, now I'm not going to be typical here and go, oh, they're going to run out of business. They're not running out of business. They're not going nowhere. They're not running out of business. But AEW right now is the most popular wrestling promotion in the world. 
the most popular. They may not be the biggest. They may not be the richest. They may not be, you know, the one that the more the most experienced. Tony Khan may not be the most experienced. He may do a lot of fantasy things that I don't like. And, you know. But man, he does know what the fans want. He keeps his finger. He keeps his thumb on the pulse of the fans and he knows exactly what to do. I keep asking myself, when is it when's it going to be over? When's he going to run out of ideas? I'll tell you when he's going to run out of ideas. I'll tell you when he's going to run out of debuts. As soon as the WWE stops letting all of their people go and they start putting on good shows and they start doing something with the talent that they have, then Tony Khan won't have anyone else to debut. He'll just have to rely on Impact in New Japan. He won't have to rely on the young talent, the young, hungry talent, the wrestlers that all they want to do is wrestle. Now we got to expect. You have to expect that Buddy Murphy's next. Tony Nese is next. Braun Strowman's next. And everybody else who got released. I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know what I mean. That crowd is going to go fucking insane if any of those names show up there. Why? Just because. It's unfortunate. Shame on WWE. Um, That's my rant on WWE. It, It wasn't as... Like everybody else in the internet wrestling community. And hey, I'm going to be honest. I don't usually go that hard on WWE. I don't usually say things like that about WWE. But guess what? They deserve it tonight. I'm going to quickly run down the show. Because I just ranted for almost 20 minutes. Um, South Beach Strap Match. South Beach Strap Match. Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. Um... This one was whatever. I thought it was garbage. I didn't like it. Um, I, I don't know. Strap matches are usually kind of boring anyways. They don't, use, they don't hit like they used to back in the day. Um, uh, Aaron, uh, he was out there along with uh, Komoro, Komoro. I don't even know that dude's name. I don't even know that dude's name. But the factory was out there. Uh, Dustin Rhodes came out and he brought with Aaron to the back and pretty much cleared out the ringside area to officially make it an actual one-on-one contest between, between QT Marshall and, uh, Cody Rhodes. JR said it was a must win for QT. Why? No one cares about QT Marshall. The crowd was chanting QT sucks. There's nothing about this match that made me think that it was must win for QT Marshall. Nothing. Um, Cody Rhodes hit the Cody cutter in the center of the ring as the crowd began chanting Cody. Cody gets to the third turnbuckle and he low blows QT. QT spits in Cody's face. Cody stops and hits him with three crossroads, and then he touches all four turnbuckles, and Cody wins the match. Like I said, this match was boring. Cody just needs to go after that title, man. I said before, AEW needs to to bring bring uh bring back World War Three, have three rings, sixty competitors. That could be their Royal Rumble of the year. The winner of that gets a championship match at All Out or Double or Nothing or whatever. I really think they should do that. Cody Rhodes, I know he's sticking, he's sticking by what he said. And um, he said he's never going to challenge for the AEW world title. But I feel like that should be a way for him to get in. I'm going to talk about that another time. Because I have an actual plan that I, if I was working for AEW, I would lay this out. I'll talk about that later, though. Um, Sean Spears was talking some trash to Sammy Guevara backstage, and uh, Sammy caught him with a chair shot of his own, 
And he said, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> um, after the break, Tony Schiavone introduces Kenny Omega. Kenny still looking like Triple, Triple H race. Triple H and Harley race. Still looking like the game. I get it. Very influential. Yeah, I know. A lot of y'all out there would say Harley Race, but guess what? Wasn't nobody talking about it when it was Harley Race, okay? I don't see no side-by-sides with, with Kenny Omega and Harley Race, okay? Kenny thinks he's the game. He thinks he is Triple H 1999. That's what he thinks. Well, Kenny, guess what? You got a few years to go, pal, all right? Oh, what, you think just because you led a faction and now you're solo, you think you, he really think he's Triple H? Kenny Omega thinks he is Triple H. It is crazy to me. But hey, I'll let you cook, dog. Don Callis tells Tony Bahama to buzz off. He wants to give Miami a history lesson. The crowd almost instantly starts chanting, you got fired. He said, real men don't quit. They get fired. He runs down the list of defeats. Kenny Omega has had during this title reign. He says there's no one left for him to beat. All of a sudden, the crowd starts chanting, we want Hangman. Of course they want Hangman. You want Hangman. I want Hangman. Hangman should have won the AEW title a long time ago. He should have been the one that beat Jericho. He should be the very first AEW World Heavyweight Champion. He should have. Don Callis is about to bury this crowd and let them know that his client, Kenny Omega, Triple H, Hunter Hearst Omega, Kenny Hearst Helmsley, okay, is the greatest in the world at everything that he does. (laughs) The Dark Order then comes out. Evil Uno takes the lead. He asks Kenny, why is he ignoring the crowd? Why is he afraid of his friend, Hangman Adam Page? The crowd then starts chanting cowboy shit. Oh, boy. Cowboy shit really got over, huh? He then asks Evil Uno, what is the capital of Thailand? He then kicks Uno right in the balls. And he says, it's Bangkok. Bangkok, baby. (laughs) Bangkok, baby. The elite come out to attack the Dark Order. But then guess what? Here comes everyone's beloved hangman Adam Page. As he clears house and is on the apron as as Kenny gets on his feet. Instead of going for the buckshot, he gets in the ring and he stares Kenny down. Then Kenny Omega, nah, I ain't got time for this. With his zebra pants and his Triple H hair, his Triple H mustache, goatee, beard. He said, I'm out of here. Hey, man, can you really hang with the best bout machine? I don't know. It's funny. And the reason why I say Kenny Omega is he wants to be Triple H. So he's got all these nicknames. The best bout machine. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, the cleaner. The game. You get it? The cleaner. The game. Come on, man. <laughs> Anyways, we get to sit down with good old JR sitting down with Darby Allen and Ethan Page. He's a little uneasy, uncomfortable, if you will, because both men are talking about ending one another's career. Ethan Page says Darby deserves it. What creates the animosity? Ethan is about to answer that question, but Darby cuts him off because he got somewhere in one year while it took Ethan 12. Darby talking that shit. Darby Allen says he got over and became one of the hottest baby faces, hottest wrestlers in the world in one year while it took Ethan Page 12. He was complacent. He was the big fish in the little pond. Ethan, he says that's true. 
Darby skipped the line, he says. He skipped the line. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of agree. When you have someone like Sting, the Stinger, in your corner, that's considered skipping the line, pal. I mean, and I know a lot of you can argue, well, Darby was over way before then. But was he? Was he really that over? That, 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 that over? Yeah, he was over. But Sting most definitely elevated him. But we're not here to talk about that. Next week is the coffin match at Fighter Fest Night 1. And I'm interested to see how this goes, where this goes, who wins. Is it going to be the beloved uh, Darby Allen, Or is Ethan Page going to get a victory and make Scorpio Sky look like the biggest fucking reject in AEW even more? Because again, where the fuck is Scorpio Sky on this show? You tell me, wrestling fans. The next match we get is FTR and Wardlow representing the pinnacle going up against inner circles, Jake Hager and Santana and Ortiz with Tully Blanchard in the corner of FTR and Wardlow and Conan coming out hyped as hell, feeling like he's so excited to be back in front of a crowd, which is really, really nice to see. Really, really nice to see. Um, This match was, you know, your typical trios match all over the place. Uh, Ortiz, um, Santana going at it, FTR going at it. It's brutal. Um, Dragon suplex, jackknife, pin, double team by FTR on Ortiz uh, for a two count. Jake Hager gets the tag and puts the ankle lock on Wheeler. But Dax, yo, let me stop. Dax and Wheeler are two of the stupidest names still to this day. I don't understand how people can make fun of and talk shit about any name that WWE comes up with or NXT for that matter. But we're okay with Dax Harwood and uh, what's the other uh, fucking Dash? What's his name? Cash Wheeler. Cash Wheeler and Dax. Oh, uh, no, no. Um, at one point, Wardlow gets tagged in. Uh, crowd gets amped. Um, him and Hager trade shots. Hager rolls through, gets Wardlow in the ankle lock. FTR managed to catch Hager in the big rig for the one, two, three, and the pinnacle are victorious here in this match. And post-match, Conan hits Wardlow with a mad ball. But Wardlow is unfazed. I don't know why he would think about doing that especially in the back. Tully Blanchard then hits Conan with a chop block, and you know what happened after that. Conan, you went out there and you looked like a fucking fool. But guess what? You did it for La Familia. That's what you did it for, and I can appreciate that. Um, we get a promo video package um, from none other than Machine Gun Carl Anderson, who challenges and basically uh, uh, announces that it's official for next week, John Moxley defending the IWGP United States Championship against Carl Anderson. The most random put-together match you could ever fucking think of. And I get it. They probably want to make it seem like the elite is getting all the titles and all of that. If you wanted the elite to have the titles, you should have kept the Good Brothers as Impact World Tag Team Champions. I don't know why the fuck they took the titles. I mean, I know that's probably not a AEW decision, but damn, come on, come fucking on! Like, can we not see this coming? I could definitely see Carl Anderson picking up the victory and becoming IWGP United States Champion. I don't see John Moxley going to Japan to be a part and or defend that title 
after having a new baby. But maybe I'm wrong. I think this is his way out. Dropping the championship to Carl Anderson. That's just me, though. I don't know. Um, we got a face-off between MJF and Chris Jericho. The crowd sings along to Judas, as they always do. A fan tried to jump and get into the ring. Jericho took a jab at him, and security seemed like they were struggling to get him down. Yo, can we get some security that actually know how to fucking do their job? For one, you let them get all the way to the ring, up to the ring. Well, he didn't get in the ring, but he damn near, damn near. He was on the stage. He was on the set. Not only that, but it, it takes you, it either takes a mob of men to get one person down or I don't fucking know, man. Y'all be having these fucking pipsqueaks, these, these arena, uh, these arena security need to bulk up a little bit. Um, MJF plays into it though. He then addresses Jericho by saying he doesn't blame Chris for wanting a piece of him. He says he should have let that fat bastard fan come in here and beat MJF's MJF's ass. Chris then says he'll do anything to get a piece of Max. MJF says he's not gonna let him. He's not gonna let him rattle him. I, I'm not gonna get rattled. MJF said one of his favorite parts of Chris's career was his feud with John Moxley. He liked that he had Mox take on all of Inner Circle, but he's going to make it better. MJF notes he's a fan of Greek mythology, and he cites the laborers, laborers of Hercules. Jericho accepts his laborers. He's going to ruin his life, and that ain't no mythology. He signs the contract, but MJF isn't done. He doesn't come from a dumpster fire like Miami, he says. He comes from Plainview in New York. And up there, they shake hands. And so he demands Jericho to shake his hand. Chris obliges and bam, hits him with a Judas effect. Should have seen that coming from a mile away. Not going to lie, I did not. I actually thought that he was going to shake MJF's hand. But that's just, hey. Again, they got me. Now, let's talk about this. Backstage promo uh, interview. Britt Baker is upset that Reba is hurt. Tony Khan should feel terrible, she says. She says, I make you millions. All for what? So Vicky could bring him Andrade El Idolo? He says, enjoy your blood money. And maybe next week, AEW Dynamite could take place in Saudi Arabia. What? Britt, come on. Come on. Haven't we? I've heard this joke before. Have I not heard this joke before? I swear I heard this before. It was still good, though. Shout out to Britt Baker. <laughs> I mean, it made all the AEW fans go, ooh. That was, that's a genuine crowd reaction right there. But if you're a heel... I don't think that that's the right way or the right thing to say in order to gain heat. Am I right or am I wrong, wrestling fans? As good of a line it is, right, as much of a shot that is, we all know at WWE, as bad as you might want to take it, it's probably not the best thing to say to get heat from a crowd, right? I mean, the crowd would... Mostly love something like that. They love that you're taking shots at WWE. So I don't know. I don't know what the focus was there. Um, the next match, though, was. Uh, oh, she said she's taking uh, Nyla Rose out in Dallas. That's pretty much it. Andrade versus Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel. I think it's Seidel. I keep forgetting, guys. I don't know, man. Uh, fucking uh, Evan Bourne. <laughs> The two men grapple up, and Andrade soon nails him with a brain buster. He climbs up top. Um, Matt fights it off. Uh, he does leap off to handspring and splash down on him for a one count. Idolo chants start 
in the arena. And I had said on Twitter, yo, that crowd is not hot enough for Andrade. I don't think this is going to be as big as people think it is. Andrade, I don't think he was ever really looked at as the big star that some people think Andrade is. And I think it has, unfortunately enough, it's unfortunate. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he just can't cut a promo. He's not a very good promo. Let, excuse me, not can't cut a promo. He just doesn't have a good promo. People can't understand him. And that's fine. I mean, I can understand it, but some people can't. Right? And I think that really... That was probably the deciding factor when it came to Vince and why he didn't use him very much. Um, and it's probably going to be another reason why people don't, um, don't like him very much in AEW. I say make him a badass heel. I say fucking pull the trigger on that and see what happens. I'm still wondering what his and Vicky Guerrero's surprise is, though. They said they had a surprise. Um, we know it's not Zelina Vega, and she is back with WWE on SmackDown. I don't know. We'll see, though. Um, Andrade knocks uh, Matt Seidel out of the ring. Um, Seidel gets a roll-up for a near fall as they're back into the ring. Andrade turns Matt inside out. He tries to stomp on Matt from the Tree of Woe, but Matt dodges and leaps off with a Meteora. For one and a two count. El Idolo ends up winning with the hammer lock flatliner. And uh, Andrade gets his first W in the AEW. And look, man, it wasn't a great match. It wasn't like a spectacular, like, oh, my God, what a debut. It was whatever. Um, after the match, though, Andrade locks in an inverted armbar to add salt to the wound, to add insult to injury. Um, as if the hammerlock flatliner wasn't enough, he said, nah, I'm going to lay it in some more. I'm going to, I'm going to punish Matt Seidel. And that's what he did. Um, we get a look back on the history between Matt Hardy and Christian cage as they are scheduled for a match. Night one of fighter fest. Who the fuck wants to see this? We have been watching Christian and Matt Hardy wrestle for 20 plus fucking years. At least, right? 20 years at least. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see Christian and Matt Hardy. I'm sorry. I don't. It's a snooze fest. I don't know. But I guess I'm not the only wrestling fan, so I guess it's not just it's just not up to me, right? Um, after that, we would get the debut of Malachi Black, which was absolutely flawless. Um we already talked about that, though. Um, Ricky Starks stood in the ring the, earlier in the night um, with security behind him as he can't trust Brian Cage uh, to put his hands on him. Taz comes out, who doesn't like what Ricky is doing, but Ricky Starks wants to be ready for his FTW title match. He calls out Brian Cage's wife, and, he, and that prompted Brian Cage to come out at him. You know, I, I, again, I don't know why this has to be for the FTW title. Is the FTW title an official title in AEW? I don't know. This is kind of like the million dollar championship situation, right? But while I understand the million dollar championship and while it goes perfectly with Cameron Grimes and LA Knight's story, and it has some, some, some prestige to it, I don't fucking know what the FTW title is and why it's in AEW. I just don't. So you can miss me with that. I don't give a fuck about Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. I just don't. Sounds like a fucking impact match to me. Um, the Blade and the Bunny uh, mixed tag team match taking on Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander. A um, little bit of intergender to start off as uh, Orange Cassidy and the Bunny were standing in the middle of the ring and we got the patented Orange Cassidy hands in his pocket, the the kicks to the leg and the crowd was eating it all up. And it's just, it's funny. You know, Orange Cassidy was once number one contender and he was in a match for the AEW world championship. And now he's just not doing it. This is just as bad as WWE 
acting like Kofi Kingston wasn't the WWE champion and he didn't have one hell of a reign uh, as champion. This is, this is equivalent to WWE not acknowledging the fact that Kofi Kingston held up the WWE and put it on his back when he was WWE champion, right? Remember how we talk shit about how WWE? Yeah, y'all know. Y'all understand. Orange Cassidy, I just don't think that he's so over. I don't know, man. Who fucking knows? The way that AEW is being ran in some sense is like weird to me because it's just like everybody's involved, but some people are involved in shit that they shouldn't be involved in, in my opinion. Or like, how can you be? Oh, kind of like Scorpio Sky. How can you grab a brass ring or how can you be in such a situation where, you know, you're on top, you're, you know, you're challenging for this title, you're challenging for that title, blah, 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 blah. You're in one of the hottest tag teams coming out of AEW. I mean, they, when they came to AEW, or what I mean is, is that when they first came to AEW, they were one of the hottest trios out there. They were over. And, you know, Scorpio Sky was over, but, you know, I hope Tony Khan has some plans because this shit just doesn't fucking look right at all. Um, a brawl between Orange Cassidy and the Blade on the outside. Bunny ultimately gets laid out by Statlander as she hits area 451, which looked very, very beautiful. Um, Orange Cassidy covers, but the Bunny saves. Uh, he gets some brass knuckles. He, as in the blade, hits Orange Cassidy with them. Statlander takes a note, tags herself in, which I think it happened so fast. I don't think people saw it. Uh, she hits the big bang on the bunny for the one, two, three. And Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander are victorious in this match. Um, we get, and after that match, which is a pretty cool match, pretty cool match. Um, after that match, though, we got a, and I thought some more shit was about to go down. Um, Jorge Masvidal, Amanda Nunez, and Dan Lambert are ringside. Lambert takes the mic from Tony Schiavone. Tony barely got any words out. Um, he starts to talk about Amanda Nunez and Masvidal and, and his conversations with AEW. He steps into the ring. Talks more crap about AEW, says that, you know, this sucks. Talks about the, you know, the 70s and the 80s. And if he wanted to watch real wrestling, he would get the VHS out and he would pop those tapes in uh, from uh, some classic uh, Florida championship wrestling. He says AEW sucks. He says always trust your instincts, right? Because he, he had a feeling. But he came because Tony Khan told him. Uh, out comes Lance Archer and he attacks him. And gives him the blackout. This felt like Kane and Pete Rose to me. I really thought something big was about to happen. Maybe an MMA star. Or, you know, I don't know. Something. But it was just Lance Archer coming out to attack him. Kind of like very, very Kane, Pete Rose-esque. So like I said, you can miss me with that shit. Because it was fucking stupid. That guy can talk though. Shout out to Dan Lambert. He can fucking talk his ass off. He didn't miss at all. And a lot of what he said was true. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we get to the main event. All Elite Wrestling World Tag Team Championship match in a street fight. Penta El Cero Miedo. El, El, El Cero Miedo. And Eddie Kingston versus the young Buckaroos. The Bucks come out wearing nut-hugging jorts. The nut huggers, the Cena's. Don Callis gets on commentary. Eddie and Penta tee off on both of the Young Bucks. Nakazawa gets his head kicked off. They go for Brandon Cutler in the ring. The Bucks try to take advantage. Eddie and Penta set up Nick for a Dudley Boys. What's up? With a steel chair, and they hit it. Eddie and Penta set up a table at ringside and one upside down in the ring. Eddie Kingston gets planted on the table uh, at ringside. Penta hits a Canadian destroyer on uh, Matt Jackson through the table at ringside. Uh, Penta gets nailed with a trash can. 
Uh, Nick Jackson nails Eddie uh, for a near fall. Penta gives a sling blade to both uh, Nick and Matt Jackson. Uh, the Bucks double team Eddie Kingston with a corner cannonball and a back kick combo. Eddie Kingston soon locks Matt into a rear naked choke, but then Nick Jackson climbs on top and hits a 450 splash on the fucking referee. Matt clearly taps before Eddie Kingston moves, uh, or or before Eddie, Eddie Kingston's move gets broken up. The Good Brothers come out, and you know what's about to happen. Or at least you think, right? They get handled by the challengers, though. Um, they get their asses handed to them by Eddie Kingston and Penta El Cero. Miedo. <laughs> Brandon Cutler gets involved. And so does Frankie Kazarian, who power bombs him through a table. I'd like to know what's in those cans. I don't watch Being the Elite or anything like that. Um, so I'd like to know what's in those cans. Is it like air freshener? Or he started spraying them, and it was kind of going in the direction of the fans. So I'd like to know, like when he sprays them in the opponent's eyes, like what is it supposed to do? Um. Anyways. <laughs> Um, Eddie Kingston hits a spinning back fist on Matt Jackson and once again has the win. One, two, three, four. But the referee comes in too late, makes the count, gets interrupted. Kazarian stops all the shenanigans. But the Good Brothers hit him with the magic killer. Eddie Kingston soon dumps out the thumbtacks. And boy, oh boy, I knew it was going to be a slobber knocker when they did this. <laughs> dumps out all the thumbtacks. There's plenty of action on top of them. Everybody falling, everybody cl- uh, clotheslines and backdrops and, and super kicks and all the things like that. Um, at one point, you've seen Nick and Matt Jackson use these thumbtacks in a, a way that I had never seen before. They actually picked up the thumbtacks and threw them in the face of Eddie Kingston. You got thumbtacks flying everywhere. I actually questioned if they were real thumbtacks at one point because he threw them and some of them went in the fans' direction. I'm like, hey, that's not safe. But they get a zoomed-in shot, of course, to let us know, yes, these are real thumbtacks. And boy, was that innovative. Was that crazy of the Young Bucks. Um, Ultimately, at the end, it comes down to the Young Bucks They put thumbtacks in Eddie's mouth with a double super kick. And then they stack them or they smash them. They stack them for the one, two, three, and still the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks. Boy, the Young Bucks are are two of my favorite guys in AEW, man. They, They keep me going. Yeah, they do some corny shit sometimes, but... They can go. Um, they're exciting. They're fun to watch. And uh, shout out to the Young Bucks for retaining the titles. And I'll say that this week's Dynamite Road Rager episode was a 10. Why? Because of Tommy N. Tommy E-N-D. Malachi Black. Alistair Black. Whatever you want to call him. It's because of him why this show was a success, and why it was a W, and why it was a 10, in my opinion. WWE should be ashamed of themselves. And now, guess what? On Friday, they've got to figure their their shit out because of Jimmy Uso getting in trouble, getting the DUI, right? And it's unfortunate, man. It's it's really unfortunate. I hate when shit like this happens. It's unfortunate. I hope he gets some help. I hope they figure this out. Fuck a storyline. I hope that he gets some help. And aside from that, though, <sighs> WWE, man, you got to get it together. You got to get it together. Shock value. When fans get back in those seats, I'm going to need, need y'all to come up with something. That's hell. I mean, there's rumors of Adam Cole being a, uh, a participant in the money in the bank ladder match representing SmackDown. Do it. What are you waiting for? Do it. Put Adam Cole in the money in the bank ladder match. 
Put him on SmackDown. Do it. Speaking of SmackDown, uh, before I get out of here, let me let's just talk about what SmackDown. SmackDown is going to be at. Um, I keep wanting to say South by Southwest. What is it? Rolling Loud. Rolling Loud. Uh, SmackDown is going to have two matches from Rolling Loud here in a couple of weeks, and that's big news. I think that's dope. I think it's dope, but you guys got to fix your stories. You guys got to do good in the ring. You guys got to make sure that this shit's going to be worth watching for these fans that you're trying to attack or uh, attract. I said attack. Make sure the product is good. Okay? There ain't enough like me. I'm going to watch regardless, but not everybody's going to do that. Um, Like I said, man, Dynamite Road Rager was a 10. Um... The debut of uh, Malachi Black, the in-ring debut of Andrade El Idolo. Um, Pinnacle gets a victory. Uh, the Bucks retain, and yeah, it was overall a cool show. Cool show, cool show, cool show. Um, I'm going to get out of here. I think this is, uh, this is now officially the longest uh, review that I've done with my little rant at the beginning of the show. Um, so I hope that you've stayed throughout the the duration of this podcast. If you did, then you're listening to me right now. And I just want to tell you, thank you. And I appreciate you. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at within the ropes, both Twitter and it's Twitter, Twitter, not Twitter. It's not, it's not Twitter winter. It's Twitter <laughs> at within the ropes. On Twitter and IG. Um, got some stuff in the works again. Oh, check out the Monday Nitro throwback review that I did. It's up right now. Make sure y'all check that out. Nitro, July 6, 1998, 23 years ago. Goldberg becomes world heavyweight champion by beating Hollywood Hogan. Make sure y'all check that out. Make sure y'all check out last night's NXT Great American Bash. Make sure y'all check out Monday Night Raw. I'm going to be back tomorrow with NXT UK and Impact Wrestling. And then I'm going to be back with uh, SmackDown on Friday. And then maybe I'll throw in a nice little special episode on Saturday. Who knows? Um, We'll see. But I appreciate everybody listening and tuning in. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed AW Dynamite Road Rager like I did. And I hope to see you back or hear you back. Or I can't really see you or hear you. But hope you come back to hear me. Everybody have a good evening. Goodbye. <laughs>